Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Three mistakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Only Podcast. I am your co-host, Austin Smith, joined as always by your other co-host, John Kirby. You can find us on Twitter at ACSmith06 and at John underscore Kirby. And as always, follow the mothership at The Only Colors. Today is Wednesday, Record Scratch Wednesday episode, uh, March 31st. And John, I don't know about you, but I am walking with a bit of a new refound, I should say, Pep in my step today. Oh, how are you feeling? Uh, you know, I was okay, and then I re remembered that Jack Hoiberg hit the transfer portal, and I got mm-hmm. a little bit sad again. To be honest. Sure. Um, yeah, but I hear what you're saying. Well, let's get right into it. <laughs> Michigan State, obviously, the story I'm referring to here. Uh, a pep in my step, my step back, I should say, Jack Hoiberg hit the transfer portal last week and is resurfacing at uh, exactly, I'm sure, where we all saw him going, uh, Texas Arlington? Yep. Oh, yeah, man. You you know, when you get a chance to go play for the Mads, you got to do it. So I get it. Uh, I mean, it's been in my – it was on my dream school list when I was applying. Dude, I hope he just gets so many buckets. Like, I hope that their pitch to him was like, buddy, you get (laughs) infinite shots. If you're anything like your dad, and he's like, I'm not, they're like, don't say that. If don't you're anything that. like your dad, you're going to be one hell of a ball player. And seriously, I hope, he, I hope he tears it up, man. That's cool. And I'll have to return on my uh, notifications of other teams, like I did when uh, Marvin Clark went to St. John's and Javon Best went to St. Louis. So, I think uh, I really do hope that he plays some kind of role and they like win their comp, their small conference and make the tournament because I would like the Jack Hoiberg involved Texas Arlington, like upsetting someone as a 14 seed would just be like such a fun story. I would love that. I don't need that. I don't need step back Jack walking out of the court against Michigan state and next year's tournament. That sounds. Oh no, 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 no. You, you, you mistake me. I, (laughs) I do not wish that upon Michigan State at all because that's 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 just not good juju for us. So I'm looking forward to him upsetting another team. There it uh, is. Yeah. So uh, Jack Hoiberg, not the only Spartan to hit the transfer portal over the past week. I'm not sure if I would call it surprising, but in certainly large news, uh, Rocket Watts has also submitted his name to the transfer portal. John, what's your initial take here? Well, beyond the terrible pun of we have liftoff, I think the, <laughs> the real take is um, you hope, I mean, everyone said it, you hope the best, he gets a fresh start, it just wasn't working at Michigan State. The, the kid needs to go to a place that, that uh, plays the game a, little, a different way. And it's not a right way or a wrong way. It's just a different way. So, um, you know, that way is is not going to be a st- probably as structured. It's going to be a bit more free-flowing type of game. And, you know, speaking of Hoibergs, I'm dead serious when I say I think Fred Hoiberg will pick up the phone and reach out to Rockets. Definitely the exact type of player that Fred has looked for in the past. And... And Vuong kind of made a joke that uh, when he was at Iowa State, Ames for a moment became West Lansing. You know, if you <laughs> remember, he got Chris Allen. Uh, he snagged Corey Lucius for a minute. Um, 
I mean, Rocket Watts is a, has a little bit of that in him, right? Um, and, you know, maybe West Lansing has relocated to Lincoln. You know, we know that he has a couple spots open in Nebraska. Fred has made no mistake that he's been hitting the transfer portal pretty hard to build programs. But, you know, he has landed a five-star. Um, he brings back McGowan's from this year's team, who's a nice player. Um, he lost Teddy Allen, but Rocket Watts can certainly – um, put up shots like Teddy Allen can if that's if that, they won't all go in, but uh, it's certainly you putting them up like Teddy did. So hey, I'm dead serious. I think he can play at the high major level. Um, that's not in question. I, I wonder. I wonder if he stays in the Big Ten though. Where do you think he could end up? Yeah, I mean, I think he could end up. Uh, well, it's funny because the first two places that I saw that I thought of just so happened to be the first two places I actually saw reported or him linked to or reached out or, or whatever. And that's Louisville and Florida state. I mean, oh, these yeah. are, could not imagine two better landing spots for rockets game and just sort of attitude. I mean, these are two schools that have done very well uh, playing with guards who are not afraid to like get dirty and like guard the the best wing on the other team play some tough defense even press a little bit especially in louisville's case um i think either of those could be could be good fits for him i also think that the deep rotation at florida state would really benefit him uh because when he's on the floor it would be you know rocket time it would be his time to go Mm -hmm. get his buckets there's very little structure to that offense as i think we all saw against michigan and many many other times if you watch them uh, so tough. I think I was, that was one of the worst offensive performances I've ever seen from a team, even though they t- turned it on in the second half, but we'll get, we'll get to that either way. Rocket. I think either of those locations would be great. I, yeah, I don't see rocket as like a, having to take a scholarship from some D2 program, go the Juco route, nothing like that. Like he has proven in spurts only in spurts, but against very good teams back to back years and in, in certain spots that he can hang, he can play. He's a playmaker. I think, there's there's going to be a home for him somewhere. And, and to your point, I think it's best if it's somewhere that's uh, a little less intense, maybe from a from a structure perspective and maybe allows him to do some different things. I think roster fit is is such a big key for for his game. And ultimately, as we kind of do like a reflective uh, on the short career of Rocket at Michigan State, I think fit ultimately and 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 not to blame everything on, on COVID-19, but as Izzo said in his parting statement, they asked Rocket to do a lot this year, and he had no time to adjust to doing it. Um, and that certainly played a role in why he didn't have the season that I think anybody was uh, expecting him to have. So I think it's a set of unfortunate circumstances, but um, given a full off season and some just consistency, I think from, uh, and an open understanding of what your role is, Rocket could go somewhere and have a really nice end to his career. And I, I, no one in Michigan state, I think, uh, wishes him anything, but, but the best, but I think it's in, in everybody's interest, best interest, including Rocket, obviously, uh, that he's, he's going to finish his career elsewhere. Yeah, one call out about him is you mentioned, you know, needing a true off season. I think it's compounded when you look back and it's the writing was on the wall when he went to play for Spire. And I don't yes. know if you remember the highlights of those exhibitions where he and LaMelo Ball were obviously the usually the two best players on the court, but they're not exactly like running some sets. Because they didn't really need to either, right? But at the same right. time, it's like, okay, this kid—you want this kid to be a Big Ten point guard? Mm, that's that's a big ask after watching him play what is essentially money ball basketball for a his senior year. So yeah, it's, he played ISO ball his entire career. I mean, and that's fine. There are a ton of programs. I would almost even argue the majority of high major programs. Uh, run their offense in a really similar way. I've certainly seen it quite a bit throughout the NCAA tournament. Uh, Houston actually runs quite a bit of just iso ball. Our guy's better than your guy. We're going to go out and that's how we're, we're going to score. 
uh, a professional comparison to that would be like the Portland Trailblazers for anybody who watches the NBA. Um, now, obviously, different talent level, but you've got between Lillard and McCollum and whomever else, you know, Carmelo. Like, it's just all ISO guys, and they're just so good that they can go win a lot of games. There's plenty of college teams that operate in a, in a similar mold. So Rockets should have no no trouble uh, finding that landing spot. I think it was always going to be an interesting fit. Uh, and it was more of a, hey, let's take a really talented player and kind of mold mm-hmm. him into our system mm-hmm. um, rather than get the guy that's the perfect fit for what we want to do, which is um, I think what MSU might be getting in this new transfer that they uh, are bringing in, John. Yeah, you hope so. Like, So uh, thanks for the passing me the rock there. Tyson. That's right, baby. Uh, North Northeastern point guard. That is the thing that he does best is distribute the pill. Um, maybe that's not even true. He does a lot of things really well, but you know, he, he was averaging 19 points a game, um, 35 minutes a game. That's, that's way more than Aaron Henry for the record. So just to give you an idea how much, um, he's used to facilitating the offense, but not just that he's the defensive player of the year in the league. So he's doing it on both ends of the court. Um, he he averaged, uh, let's see, I think it was like a steal, the highest steal rate in the uh, Colonial League. I mean, and then he averaged 4.8 assists uh, to 3.3 turnovers and, you know, a 1.5 uh, assist to turnover ratio. That's where you want to be. That's what you want. And, you know, obviously I love my, my mini metric of, if you can get to a 1.6, that is that is just at a really spectacular level, and you're going to win a lot of games if your point guard can do that. Um, he's the kind of guy that you hope that can can do that, and and hopefully will work out well when you start to piece together the rest of the roster, which we'll do later. But our guys that are going to need help, um, who are better shooters than they were this year, looking at you, Max Christie, and hmm. and and um, need guys that need to be set up like Gabe Brown, like a Joey Hauser. So to, and, and then, and can knock them down when they're in those type of positions. So getting way ahead of ourselves, but you see a guy that um, can come in and facilitate an offense and say like, dude, Tyson, like we don't need you to score 19 points a game. Right. It'd, it'd be great if you, if you, <laughs> if you did, but that's not even the ask here. We're just looking for a, a competent point guard um, who who can get people a lot of a lot of people who might need the ball, especially if Monty Bates comes, um, right. distrib- distributing it. And then the other piece is he's bringing something to the table that Michigan State hasn't had since I can recall in an Izzo era as a guy that is um, not just a pest on defense, but a, a guy who can steal the ball. I mean, Michigan State traditionally is one of the um, bottom teams in the country in uh, forcing turnovers a game, you know, there's a different method to their defense that I, I'm kind of looking forward to seeing somebody, um, disrupting the passing lanes a little bit, getting people's pockets. Um, that's what he brings. But like I said, first team, all conference as a sophomore defensive player of the year, you might be asking why, why he went to Northeastern. Well, um, he just wasn't recruited out of high school because the, the scout on him was he couldn't shoot. And um, maybe he was a little too uh, slight for for big boy basketball. Well, I don't know. We'll see. But uh, he's passed the first couple tests so far, and he's he's earned the shot uh, to come to play in, at the Big Ten level. Yeah, a couple of things that to, to note about him are that you know, to your point, John, he's really a, a chance creator, and he's done it uh, on a team that really needed him to do it in Northeastern. You know, he's he's not afraid. To, to you know really carry the offensive load he averaged almost 15 shots a game uh last year i am going to make a a, a legitimate a, a huge bet that he doesn't even approach that number moving forward um but i think the the, the thing we've seen from him is it's uh twofold the first is that he's done it's not that he's just done this but he's done it against good competition you know northeastern has played up uh throughout his two years against some some solid opponents, including North Carolina, who he scored 27 against, uh, including Georgia, who he scored 19 against. Syracuse didn't have as great of a game, only scored seven, but I believe he left that game 
because he got injured midway through. And that's just last year. So you look at that already and you see some big major, some big major experience. The year before, um, let's see here, scored 32 in a game, but that was against Elon. So nothing crazy there. Uh, but yeah, so he's really got a, a good amount of experience, uh, you know, this coming from this past year uh, against some solid teams. So he's done it against the big boys. Again, tournament teams here, not just nobody's he scored 10 points against West Virginia as well. That was the other one I was looking for. Um, the only, only thing to really note about Tyson Walker from an offensive perspective, aside from what we've talked about, he can be a streaky shooter. Now he averaged 35% from deep. Uh, this past year on six attempts a game. So it's going, you know, a little over two for six, just about two for six every game. Uh, and that can include some games where he gets very hot and include some games where he gets very cold. You know, for example, he went seven of 12 from three against Towson. Uh, the next game went four for 10, then two for six, then over four, then one for five. Then he comes back and goes seven for 13 and then over five and then one for four. So you're not going to get, you know, in terms of consistency, I think you can get, um, especially the assists and the playmaking and the defense, those are things he's going to bring every night. But in terms of a knockdown three point shooter, you're probably more likely to get something a little bit streakier than, you know, what you've seen, um, out of some of the the great MSU point guards in very recent history, pretty much just Cassius Winston, but uh, <laughs> he's 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 definitely a, a dynamic guard and something that John, like you said, like just having a maestro or somebody back there that you're like, all right, you're the point guard, get everybody set, and then check the point guard at the other end. Just having that guy who can get people into places and knock down shots, to me, is something that's you know uh, that this team, this specific team this year, could have used more than just about any other um, in recent history for MSU. So that does create an interesting roster crunch here. MSU is currently over the scholarship limit, I mm-hmm. believe. Mm-hmm. Um, but that is with, you know, we don't want to do much speculating, but Aaron Henry's NBA decision is still very much mm-hmm. uh probably the number one thing to think about when you think about what could change on MSU's roster but there are some other areas, I, I think I mentioned it before, but like center and the four, kind of an area that's a little bit crowded and wouldn't be surprised to see some turnover there. You know, uh, John, I have to ask, with Tyson Walker coming in, even with Rocket Watts, you know, leaving the team, you're still left with a lot of ball handlers. Jaden Akins coming in, Foster Lawyer, A.J. Hogard. Could that be another position where there might be a little bit of turnover? Absolutely. I mean, and here's what we don't know is what conversations have been had behind closed doors. And maybe this is all decided, but yeah, it's, it's hard for me to believe that, you know, Foster Lawyer, uh, AJ Hogarth and, and Jaden Akins are all like, yeah, this is fine. You know, <laughs> you can't have four point guards and maybe Akins slides to the two, but he's really slight. I mean, you know, I don't know. It, I just, it feels like, like you said, there will be, it feels like there will be a shoe to drop on both at both the, the point guard position and at the center position. Otherwise it it's someone's going to stay and not play. There's just no, no minutes to be had. Um, you know, as we talk about minutes, Michigan state will be replacing um, 83 of the 200 total minutes. That's 42% of all the minutes played. So for context, after MSU lost Winston Tillman and Arns, they had to replace uh, 38%, 39% of all minutes played. So this is the, as many minutes that need to be replaced um, as that team. And that felt like a very big deal and a very big problem for this year's team, right? So, you know, it could be like we always talk about addition by subtraction of sorts. You know, you drop um, some very high usage guys who didn't have amazing offensive outputs, but you you don't know what you're replacing it with either. So um, the good news is uh, you think you have a pretty good scout on Tyson Walker being, being able to come in and be net neutral. Um, but but we will uh, we will see what else carries over. There's a lot of movement, I think, that's going to happen this summer. Uh, yeah, I think th- there's one thing to be said about the roster when you say you don't know what you're getting. I don't think anybody ever looked at this team and necessarily said, 
you know, there's a lack of overall talent. I don't think anybody ever looked at this team and thought that. Now, where there's some guys that aren't up to the typical level of Michigan State, yeah. But I think this team's flaws were as structural and, and a by byproduct of the roster construction as anything else. I think the individual talent level on the team is not uh, is not that far below some other Michigan State teams that we've seen that have been really competitive in the Big Ten and made runs into the NCAA tournament. I think by by changing out a couple of those cogs, like you mentioned, Aaron Henry and Rocket Watts, you might look at that and on paper think, well, that's a lot to replace, to your point. But when you consider that you're swapping them out from what we perceive to be a point guard that's a much better fit for the way that MSU wants to play, in addition to an A.J. Hogard who has a full offseason between his freshman and sophomore year and some really uh, what looked to be higher level freshmen than the ones like Hogard and Sissoko that came in this past year, guys that are poised to make a larger uh, impact and maybe fit the system a little bit more, fill in some of those gaps from an athleticism and skill set standpoint. Um, it's not difficult to see, even even you know, again, not even counting Imani Bates. Uh, it, it's not difficult to see where this team is going to be able to take a step back to normalcy, so a mm-hmm. step forward, I should say, uh, just by fixing some of the like round peg square hole type of uh, issues that I think existed with with the roster you, you know it's something we'll and we'll have to talk about this this summer because it's it's just a fascinating change to the landscape of the sport itself but you know we watched john calipari and then a, a few years later uh, mike krzyzewski kind of take on an entirely new recruiting tactic of going and getting one and dones and saying this is my roster and it yielded success um not not ultimate success. I think between them, they got two national championships doing that, which is good, um, but not. Maybe, I would take that. But not great. Not great. No. Meaning both of them, both of them got it done once with that method. I think. Um, and and then you know you you saw Tom Izzo start to gravitate a touch more and being like, man, I can't win with my four year guys. Like we tried that. We 2015 was a wake up call for Michigan State. You know we rolled in there with a, a bunch of four-year dudes. You know, you had Trice, Costello, uh, Valentine, nice team. Got their asses kicked by Duke. Crushed. Yep. And on the other side of the bracket, you had an undefeated Kentucky team. Now, you can also say, well, Wisconsin, you know, uh, beat Kentucky and, and took took Duke to the limit. Absolutely. But there is no doubt in my mind that that was a generational Wisconsin team. So, you know, you had to have the best four-year squad <laughs> of all time to compete. Right. And so that was kind of the aha moment, I think. And you said, is I was like, okay, I got to mix this up. And he started doing this nice little mix of one and dones where you saw Miles, Jaron, um, and mix it in with some four-year guys and say, like, this might be the right combination. Well, that may be, but now we've got a whole new wrinkle. you got to figure out where does the transfer portal fit in all of that? Because when there are no rules in that transfer portal this year, um, you know, last year we did the Joey Hauser thing and for whatever reason, some people got to play and some people didn't immediately, which whatever, um, this year it's, there are no, I believe there are no rules in the sense that no one has to sit out when they transfer because of the pandemic. So, uh, <laughs> you talk about free agency, like yeah. this is, this is going to change the game. This off season is going to be the wildest in college basketball history just because of the amount of movement that's going to take place. And then you got to ask yourself, um, as if these laws or rules open up, do you create a roster like a pro team and you just say, I'm going to make the best roster I can make, period, for this year and not worry about the next year. You know, I'm not going to develop guys, you know, and get them minutes and hope that they can like, you know, get game time and, and like grow up a freshman. Like, cause I can go get a senior transfer today. You know, that's going to be something coaches are going to have to weigh. And it's a, it, I, there's no right answer right now. I just find it really interesting. It's going to be fascinating. That's a, that's a great point. I think you see that mindset a lot with quarterbacks in college football nowadays, where it's like, exactly. well, do we develop our guy and let him be a three-year starter? Or do we just go get a dude who we know can come in and play right away? Um, 
I think it's a fascinating concept to to transfer over to basketball where the rosters are a lot smaller and the impact, you know, can be a lot bigger basically yeah. for any, even, even greater than that of a quarterback. Cause there's only five guys on the floor and look there's at, only 15 spots on the roster. Look at Michigan. I mean, they yeah. brought in Chandi Brown, top 50 kid played yeah. on a shit team, but it was, is good. And Mike Smith didn't get recruited because of his size clearly can play at the high major level. They had what, eight rotation players, seven. And those two were right in the middle of it right away. If those two aren't on the team, I don't care how good Hunter Dickinson's freshman year was or Franz Wagner's, you know, uh, talent level. Like they brought that team from decent to a level that they probably didn't foresee going into the year. Well, you even look at Gonzaga. I mean, Andrew Nemhard was the starter at Florida until he went over to Gonzaga. And yeah, you could make a very real argument that they don't need him because they have (laughs) Jalen Suggs and Corey Kispert and Drew Timmy and Jay. And I don't even know his first Andrew. I I always just think Mm -hmm. of Jay. Um, But the the point remains that I think it's going to be fascinating to see which coaches decide to go which way. And to be honest with you, if I was a betting man uh, and I'm, talking about which way Michigan State's going to go. I'm not going to lie. I think Izzo, you would probably assume, oh, he's going to go the development route. No. If he thinks Amani Bates is coming to school, yeah. I, don't, I don't think he's not wasting anybody's time. He's he's like, I'm, I've got one, and I've got one shot. I've got yep. the best player I will ever have, yep. and I need to go I need to go get it. And I think that the, the, the good news is that a lot of those impact players, I think he's got a handful of guys – you know, between um, Akins and Christie and Pierre Brooks, I mean, those are three guys that, in my opinion, hit somewhere in the rotation, almost no matter what you you do moving forward. But we talk about those guys that the if we're just being totally honest, between Hogard, Lawyer, Kithy, or Marble, um, and even you can even throw Sissoko in there. Any, uh, it would surprise me at this point if two of those four do not end up. And I don't know which two. But two of those four do not end up, you know, seeing the writing on the wall. And I don't I would not be surprised if Tom Izzo is like, OK, I'm not just going to waste those spots given to a Jack Hoiberg, a Davis Smith, whoever. I'm going to go get some guys. I'm going to go get a John Harar from Penn State. Uh, you know, I'm going to go get uh, I can't even think of another example. But, you know, you're going to cash those chips in in a major way instead of just rounding out your roster. I, 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 if I was guessing, I think Izzo is going to be very aggressive and you've seen it. I mean, how long did he, how long did he wait to get Tyson Walker? None. I mean, he, he yeah, signed in before Rocket was out the door. You know, yeah. you, th- you want to, this whole amateur athletic thing, this facade that we're seeing at the Supreme court this week is thrown out the window. This has never been a, any, this has never been a business um, more, excuse me, this has never been more obvious that this is a business. Uh, you're watching um, people who make a lot of money making business decisions right now. And there are no fan bases that have, are, are going to park it and be patient and say, yeah, you know what, let's develop some kids and, and hopefully it'll work out and they'll be great. Like, no, man, you got, you got fan bases that are, are running guys for a lot less than than not making a tournament so you know i think i think we're just going to start to rip off the the (laughs) we're we're just cutting the shit man like this is this is a this is professional basketball to an almost at this point you know free agency we're going to start paying players via name image and likeness soon like this college basketball as you know it is not the way your older brother watched it Nope, absolutely not. It's a totally different game now. I think it could it could be for the for the betterment of everybody. It's just going to yeah. be different. I mean, you're going to look at the way Tom Izzo has built his roster in the past, and at high major programs, I just don't think that will be the norm. I think these guys are going to have pressure to win. They're going to have the ability to get high level recruits every single year out of that portal very much like what we've seen in college football. And uh, I think it's going to, you know, it's, it's going to become prevalent 
quickly. Now, I don't know how much it changes the mid-level. Like I think below like the elite elite, you know, top 20 or so programs in the country, I'll be interested to see how much it affects them. In, in some ways, I almost think it incentivizes them to go the opposite route mm-hmm. and say, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to really concentrate on getting these four-year guys and, and building them up yeah. because I don't think I can play in that other world as much. I don't know. I think it's going to be a fascinating change. It's going to become, you know, I think, uh, you know, hopefully it works out for the kid because that's the most important thing. But you're going to see more Tyson Walkers. You're going to see more mm-hmm. um, Anthony Russo's. You know, you play at a mid-major level and you play well enough, you're you're going to get the call up to the, to the show. You know what I mean? So uh, I think that's what you're going to start to see from them. Um, you play well enough, guys are going to leave and they should. If, if the situation's right for them. So um, I, I think you'll see a lot more transfers like that. And we'll get to the football transfers in a bit because that's how Mel is creating this roster. But I think we're starting to see it bleed into hoops world too, which is the, the, the really wild thing. Um, yeah, I think it's, it's fascinating. Sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to ask if you had a chance to catch any of the uh, – the rest of the NCAA tournament after Michigan State dropped one to UCLA, um, or if you were able to bring yourself to watch any more. <laughs> I will. I'll admit that didn't stop me. Okay. This, I told you at the beginning. I said if we're going to lose, I, I worst case scenario, this is a quick death. I was I horribly, horribly upset for about 24 straight hours, uh-huh. and then I kind of overcame it. And I was just, I, I found myself in the place where I'm like, I'm just so happy this thing's back, man. I missed it so much from a year ago. Um, and I've, I've been watching quite a bit of it. And as, as a little teaser to later, I didn't really start enjoying, enjoying it until last night. So that was the lead in. That's why you had a hop in your step. Oh, in your step. Yeah, just a bit. I just thought it was the weather or because you were talking to me, you knew you were going to talk to me today. Well, but, that, John, that's that's every day. I always have that pep. This was an extra. This was pep two, pep Hamilton. <laughs> Dude, let's talk. Uh, let's talk about the Sweet Sixteen then, because this has been one of the better tournaments, and it's crazy to say that because there haven't been any of those like moments, you know, um, like a, like shots to win that will go down in infamy. But yet, the true. games have been fantastic. Or did it, yeah, it is kind of it is kind of wild that there hasn't been like that signature moment. Um, I, I don't even know what you would like. I'm not even sure what I would consider to be the signature moment of the tournament so far. Like, I can't remember a huge dunk. That what I thought it was going to be was that three pointer that Bama hit to send yeah. it to overtime against was yep. it UCLA? Yeah, um, that was the that moment. And then UCLA was like, mm, or actually Alabama was like, wait, that wasn't to win because they just didn't show up at open. <laughs> but, but wait, let's go around the horn here because um, I, I, <laughs> there's just a lot that happened. So Loyola played Oregon State, and I think the world gave Loyola the chalk on that one because we were familiar with them. You know, it's upstart, it's fun, but then you think like. Was Oregon State actually the better Cinderella story to that point? I think yes. I mean, I would say so. I think it's just that Oregon State is just the least sexy school possible. Of course. I mean, I mean that's that's why. But really, their story is is insane. And I think it, it you know, it's crazy how you look at the Final Four now and you see two ones and a two, and yeah. then obviously UCLA, and you're like, oh, that's actually pretty chalk. This was this has still been an insane tournament, and Oregon State is a, a huge part of it. But I looked at that game against Loyola, and I I thought that that was the that was the moment somehow that things were just like a little bit too big for Loyola in this weird way weird. where they've been in places and done yeah. so much more against so many better teams, yeah, and yet they weren't the resilient team. Oregon State just just didn't die. And the thing is, too, is I was watching that game, and I think some people might have been like, oh, the shine's going to wear off Porter Moser. Not at all. 
he, mm-hmm. he was their offense is such a thing of beauty that I just pray to God he doesn't end up in the Big Ten unless it's at Michigan State in seven <laughs> years or whatever, because he is getting them looks. That offense gets them. They were getting wide open looks left and right. Wide open threes. Kretwig missed, I think, like seven layups. They should mm-hmm. have won that game. Not just won yeah. that game, but won it going away. Yeah. And they just they just choked. It, it kind of sucked. What did I say? It'd be like that sometimes. It really um, do be like that. Uh, you feel for them because they, they've had all the feelings of like maybe being a special. I don't know. It, it, they it was there, play. man. It was it, there. We were there, man. Um, so, you know, Oregon State. But props to them, man. They just they showed up. Like they like you said, they played like the team that had been there before, weirdly. Um, another on the other side of their bracket, um, you had Houston play Syracuse, and we kind of said this: Syracuse will always um, advance a round further than they showed in this tournament because they're so good at a thing you're not ready to play. But then once you play a superior team, it doesn't work anymore. And you know what it, it is? They just that zone is what gets them there and also yeah. what keeps them there because totally. they inevitably don't have the offense to keep them going mm-hmm. beyond a certain point. But that zone, if you're not used to playing it, it will, it will kill you. And, and quickly to hit on Houston here, can I just say mm-hmm. they have, they are skating Mickey Mouse. So hard. It is a joke. Like if I was somehow an anti-Houston fan, I don't even know what fan base I would have to be a part of to not like Houston. But <laughs> like the best, the best team they have played from a seed perspective was yeah. Rutgers at number 10. And they should have lost that game. They should have lost that game. Are you sitting down? Because I have a stat for you. Oh, I'm uh, always. Houston hasn't beaten a single digit seed. Since Phi Slamma Jamma's team in 1984. Wow. Wow. That's ins- that's insane. And, and I got to say, I'm not sure it's starting the next weekend with Baylor. Oh, no. No, I no, don't no. think new streak's getting underway anytime soon. You know what's wild? And here's where we really need to appreciate Michigan State basketball. Houston had Phi Slamma Jamma. That's something people still talk about today. That was 37 years ago. Okay. Yeah. They had made the tournament six times since Five Slamma Jamma, a thing that the nation knew about. Every reason in the world to continue their momentum, right? Six times they made the tournament since 1984. And now they made their run in 2021. Like, so you want to appreciate being able to just be in the tournament. And, you know, it's just, (laughs) we are very lucky. I think the stretches go on for longer than I think people realize like your stretches of being elite elite to gone to back. Like it's crazy. It's crazy. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm very, yeah, it it does make you appreciate the consistent greatness of, of what you have. Yeah. I think, uh, I think Fanson pointed that Paul, Dr. Green and white, threw that one on the on main and I was like I had to double check I was like he had to have missed one um all right let's see what else happened around the horn here um Oral Roberts was one shot away from that moment you know they were inches from from canning a three to beat Arkansas that would have put the first uh 15 seed in elite eight history the they were only second 15 to ever to get to the sweet 16 like we kept talking about, they belonged um, on the court with Arkansas. They belonged with Ohio State. They belonged with Florida. They were better than both. Um, unfortunately, it kind of came to an end uh, against an Arkansas team that I'm just not impressed by. <laughs> they just remind, yeah. me, is remind me of like a really good, like an all-star AAU team. I was like, and Baylor had no issues with it. And Baylor's a buzzsaw, man. I, I have to, you know, hand up. I don't think I watched Baylor more than once or twice this year. And I've never taken Baylor basketball seriously. I've always just been like, 
you know, why should I? They're going to fall yeah. apart at some point. You know, it, it feels like every other time they're this sexy pick to make a deep run, they always fall apart somewhere. Right. But this is a different team, man. Th- this is this is an, an, an incredible team. I mean, they have three or four different guards who can get a bucket on you and make a stop, hit threes, get to the rim, move the ball. I mean, it, it's a very complete team. And then they've got a couple of bigs that really are big-time problems. The, the player that impressed me the most is Davion Mitchell. I, this dude is an absolute star. Uh, and I don't know that his numbers in this tournament are anything necessarily like super impressive. I know he's averaging about five assists. and looks like I've got his stats here. He's shoot, well, first of all, he's shooting 45% from three. He's averaging five assists a game two steals what he does on the defensive end they and i've heard it in case you haven't seen a single moment of them play he's uh his nickname is off night <laughs> because when he guards you you're gonna have an off night first of all I love that nickname. yeah dope. um but he it's not just that he gets steals he just rips the ball from people like it's truly like a pretty pretty incredible um thing to watch to the point that i like think he has a very legitimate nba like I think this kid's a lottery pick. Yeah, for the year he averages 14, three rebounds, five assists. Um, he he's he's just a he's just a stud. He's a difference maker when he's out there. And then you've got you know Jared Butler, who's also been incredible. Um, this team is like a small ball buzzsaw. And uh, I mean we'll get to it, but I, you put them up against Houston, and I. I don't know what Houston's got for them, to be totally honest with you. I can't. Yeah, Houston's going to they're going to send four guys at the offensive boards, which is overwhelming for a lot of teams. Um, but but that can burn you, too. So you're right. You know, um, lost in all this Villanova, who lost their point guard, best player and showed up and, and actually um, held the lead on Baylor for quite a bit. Another program that I think. I'm not sure if they're not knocking on the door of blue blood. Now I understand they they lost to Baylor, but I, I, and it's always easy to say, well, if their guy hadn't got injured, you know, they hung with the second best team in the country for a a long stretch and had them um, dead to rights for a bit. And you know, the fact, damn, Jay Wright is such a good coach, man. Like, so enough can't be said about what he does. And, um, you know, that not even a great year for them and, you know, a sweet 16 and lead on the number one seed for a majority of the game. That's, that's where their program's at. It's pretty nice. Yeah. I think they're, they're blue blood. I don't, I don't think there's any question now you get two titles in that period of time. Maybe they're not like an all, you know, quote unquote, all time blue blood, but they've got three now. Right. And just consistently churning out great teams. And yeah, to make a, to make a run when a player like that goes down, I mean, we've seen it before at MSU. It's, it's an impressive thing. And Jay Wright, to your point, like Jay Jay Wright is one of the four, five, three, two best coaches in America. So yeah, he's no wrong, no wrong number because he could be number one, (laughs) but uh, um, you know, we're talking about guys that playing with um, stars that are injured. Michigan uh, took down Florida State. Obviously, I'm referencing Isaiah Livers. They beat a team where you mentioned Rocket Watts might go to Florida State. Leonard Hamilton, I, I was I was upset. Like, dude, you have to at least like have. I'm not asking you to like run plays. I just want you to have an idea. Did you watch tape? Did you like? <laughs> Do you know, did you know who we were going to play? Because you wouldn't know it. It's just in, hey, he made the Sweet 16, and maybe that's all they care about at Florida State, which is fine. I don't, I don't know why I'm upset with him. I, I just <laughs> don't put it in the paper that I'm mad. I was just like, what do you, like, can we at least pretend like we did our job? You know, like, let's not completely mail it in on national television, but hey, to each their own. Well, I think the the flaw 
was exposed in that one where it's, I'm just going to have as many guys as possible and roll the ball out there. I mean, again, that's a, it's not all that different a strategy than Houston or Arkansas or LSU or plenty sure. of very talented teams that you've seen. Right. Yeah. It just seems to work for Florida state better than others. But when it goes wrong, man, it goes <laughs> wrong. And it seems to go wrong when you, every year when they play the one team that's like Michigan, that was just extremely well coached and positioned and did everything slightly above average, maybe nothing great. I wouldn't say Michigan did anything great, but they did everything very well and they're very disciplined, can shoot. I mean, uh, in Florida State, like it looked like a team that was player coached versus a team that was actually coached. And I think there's a huge yeah. difference just in the that to me. And, and again, it's not that Leonard Hamilton isn't he's been incredibly successful and I think he's going to consistently put teams like Syracuse, the zone's going to get them to that spot. Mm -hmm. Florida state, the, the athleticism and just the sheer talent level, like Scotty Barnes, Scotty Barnes stood out as an absolute man child in that game. And yet they didn't consistently get him the ball. They didn't run any type of offense looking no. for him. Like in no one on Michigan could check him. I mean, Franz Wagner is easily MS at Michigan's best pro prospect. And he looked like a child. Like he, he looked like he didn't athletically. He didn't even belong. At, not that, not that that's what Wagner's known for, but like uh -huh. Barnes is, an, is like a lottery pick guy. And it's just a shame to see that he wasn't featured or given more minutes. But it's just like, okay, Florida, Michigan goes on a spurt. Florida state goes down by, uh, you know, 11. And what's the move? Scotty Barnes goes and gets the ball from out of bounds dribbles it all the way up and you see you can just you know when you know a guy's gonna put it up it's like like it's like it's going up and he's yeah. he's 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 not passing and his teammates know it and it's like this isn't this this literally feels like we're at you know anytime fitness like this is right. insane that we're doing this but whatever um on the other side you had mick cronin who who is, this is one of the more remarkable runs that I can remember a team making that I, I feel comfortable saying that UCLA is not good at basketball. Uh, I, th I think their team could be good if their two post players that got hurt this year didn't get hurt. Um, they're playing some very questionable dudes and very, because they're forced to, and they've had some guys make some very, have some very ridiculous games, but this tournament is predicated on, you know, not just being good. It's, being good and lucky and you know this pay their pace has um confounded uh a few different teams and they just have a seemingly i don't because they're not winning games by just making a ton of shots like let's be very clear they're against their win over um, michigan state then they didn't make a ton they weren't shooting over 50 percent uh their win over uh michigan God, they, how many terrible looks did they get? Um, they did hit shots against Alabama, but I guess my overarching point is like, it's not as if these guys have caught fire from deep and that is why they have made it to the final four. This is, this is a, the most ground out. <laughs> I want to rip out my eyes type of <laughs> basketball where to the point where, when Tiger Campbell dribbles the ball up, I have to watch the shot clock every time to see if he's going to get it over in 10 seconds. <laughs> and he gets it to 22 every time. Like there's eight seconds yeah. off the possession just there. So wild. I mean, it's, it's Cincinnati. They hired Mick Cronin and they got Mick Cronin. And it, it just is me. weird to everybody because it worked at Cincinnati to, to with extreme success uh, maybe not extreme, but like a lot of success. And it's just weird to everybody because it's powder blue and yellow in UCLA. And that is just not the offense that you would expect or the defense that you would expect to come from a UCLA team. You expect, you know, flash and like Lonzo ball. Like that's what I, that's what yeah. you think of. When you think of Russell Wilson, like Russell Wilson, Russell Westbrook, when you yeah. think of UCLA and instead you've got just plotting Big 10 offense, to be honest with you, even slower. Like we, we talked about how MSU had to win games in a rock fight. Yeah. This is a rock. They, they 
they are the ultimate David. I mean, just like it, it was all rock fights. And I just respect, I, I was sitting here how many weeks ago, just so upset because I thought this team's trash. I can't believe that, uh, th- they got in the tournament and, and, you know, here we are sitting here two weeks later and they're literally in the final four. And, you know, I would argue they had by far their worst performance against Michigan state. Mm-hmm. MSU was up 14 in that game. And, mm-hmm. and I do want to touch on that a little bit. Cause no, we do. We do. <laughs> I don't think if people want to get upset and, and you know, even Izzo came out and said something about it, how, you know, it's hard not to see them do that and think, Oh, that could have been us. That was not going to be this Michigan state team. I'm sorry. Oh, that right. Michigan state, that Michigan State team did not have a guy like Johnny Juzang who can pull up yeah. with a dude, both of the guy's hands in his face and just can threes. They mm-hmm. didn't. They didn't have. Clearly, they would have won the game if they had the heart or attention span that UCLA has with guys like Hame Hakez diving on the floor, mm-hmm. uh, Cody Riley coming out of nowhere to have great games down the stretch, Tiger Campbell being a coherent point guard, like getting stealing minutes with some of these gross big men that they've got they're getting production from david singleton hitting big threes in these games like that is not how this msu team was wired even when they were winning those games down the stretch uh, they didn't have this in them so uh, you know i think everybody can can put that to to bed i mean now do i think msu could have uh maybe stolen a couple of these other you know could they have beaten byu probably could they beat abilene christian you would hope so but i don't think they, i guess they could have beaten michigan they already did that i don't think they're getting past bama if you want to really want to play this out they don't have the guys to do that and you have to remember just like they displayed in the last game of the season they were an inch away from the cliff of disaster at pretty much all times throughout yeah. the last half of the season. So let's not let's not torture ourselves and be like, oh, it could have been us. Like, Guys, yeah. this was never going to be us. We're just just be glad we made it. Yeah, oh, absolutely. You, know, you see, like um, surprised everyone with their upset over Alabama. And I think everyone wrote Michigan into the final four. Um, mm-hmm. and I certainly did. I think, you know, who knows if Michigan did, too. You know, you, you take take. You take a big like breath of fresh air and you're like, oh, we don't have to play Bama, you know, and you're like, oh, well, yeah, true. Who knows? I mean, UCLA shot a worse percentage from the floor than Michigan, worse three pointers percentage. They shot 23% from three. They got out rebounded by 10. Um, they've had more fouls than Michigan, 14 to 11. They, they Michigan had more blocks. Uh, there's like you look at the box score and you're like, how did you see how you win? You're not any good, and I think that's what we're gonna people are gonna be asking themselves for a long time. And you know, um, I guess I'll just leave it with this: is that very few programs can have their star player get hurt and make it to the Final Four. Mm-hmm. Most programs can't. Michigan is one of those. Michigan. Yeah, and- Great point. Fantastic point. Point of the year, some are saying. Mm. Um, I, let's just call it what it is. Michigan choked. They choked. They, they choked. choked. They, they choked on applesauce. They, they had, they scored 49 points in an Elite Eight game. I, mm-hmm. You can, you could throw whatever numbers and whatever you'd say. We were missing Isaiah Livers. We were doing this. We were doing that. Your biggest, best players choked on the biggest stage. Mm-hmm. Franz Wagner all of that making fun of Aaron Henry for his air ball <laughs> once upon a time when someone actually got a piece of the ball, uh, that's out the window because Franz kind of doubled down on that. Um, Eli Brooks had a decent little game, but you didn't get much out of him. I mean, it was, it was Austin Davis and Brandon Johns keeping them in this game. Mike Smith canned one big three that didn't end up mattering towards the end. I mean, they choked. They choked on on the biggest stage, even when Mick Cronin was trying to hand them this game. I mean, they missed yeah. two or three opportunities down the stretch that were inexcusable. I mean, and, and I don't necessarily know that it's on the coaches or on anybody else. Their players just didn't just didn't like they, 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 they choked. They choked. They choked. End of story. Talk about Mick Cronin. You got a possession. You're up one. And he he hits the clipboard and he goes. 
All right, boys. Everyone thinks Johnny's going to get this one because he has almost 30 tonight. But you know what we're going to do? Let's run a set for Jaime. <laughs> Jaime's like, no. Please, no. <laughs> he's like, Is there no. another Jaime I don't know? He's like, dude, that kid hit one shot all day, and it was an offensive rebound put back. And, you, and, and that's the guy that dropped 27 on MSU. So just, yeah, again, MSU wasn't going anywhere. <laughs> but I'm just saying, like, it's not his night. And so Mick, and so Cronin's like, no, buddy, um, I know you've been ice cold all game, so let's let's set you up for a, a pick and pop three. <laughs> and yeah. of course he's short on it. And you're like, why? But hey, yeah. Mick, he's got a final four banner now. So who can question? Hey, man. That's that's great. I, I think um just because we always talk about Michigan, because that's just they talk about us, we talk about them, it's what we do. Um this is a hell of a season for them. Like, I don't know how any of their fans could go home not feeling like I'm sure there's like an element where you're probably upset because livers got hurt and because you choked so hard in the elite eight. But if I would have told a Michigan fan at the beginning of this season, you're going to, you're going to be a number one seed. You're going to make it like, first of all, you're going to, you're going to technically win the big 10. You're going to be a one seed and you're going to win multiple games in the NCAA tournament. I don't, I think they would have told me I was crazy. Like to this have the season they had was is remarkable. Now I think the challenge becomes for them the same way that MSU's challenge is to push the restart button and kind of like get back to being who they were. Michigan's faced with a whole different challenge. They're losing a lot of players. They're losing a lot of players in a lot of important positions. I don't know that Hunter Dickinson's going anywhere, but I gotta think Wagner's gonna leave. Mike Smith is graduating. I believe Sean D. Brown is leaving. Austin Davis is gone. Isaiah mm-hmm. Livers is gone. A um, lot of talented faces that they're bringing in, obviously, but this roster for them really, really fit together well. And mm-hmm. I think it'd be a big challenge, uh, one that he obviously, he and his staff obviously answered this year in Juwan Howard. This is going to be a, a, another major test for his coaching acumen because he had a team this year that just all of those pieces really, really fit together very, very well. And he's going to have to a, get guys like Zeb Jackson up to speed ASAP. And he's going to have to make some of these other pieces that he's bringing in uh, fit together because, you know, a guy like Hunter Dickinson, when you're surrounded by four shooters, he's a, oh, Eli Brooks, another guy that's leaving. Uh, huge piece for them. If, when you surround Dickinson with four shooters, he is going to be effective night in and night out. He's a, sure. he's, he's, he's good enough and talented enough and big enough to, to do that. But if you don't surround him with spacing with, with shooters, that spacing gets tight real fast because he is now in the way all the time when someone's trying to get to the rack. So, and it's, it'll be interesting to see if somebody can run the pick and roll with him like Mike Smith did. So I, I think there are some very, you know, real challenges facing that roster. I'm sure they'll figure it out. They're going to be a tournament team. Obviously they'll probably be in, you know, somewhere near the top of the league next year. wouldn't be surprised by any of that, but there are, you know, there are big time uh, issues coming back because that's a lot. I think it's like five or six of the rotation guys are are all leaving. Yeah, man. A lot of question marks for the entire league is there's so much movement and it's all going to shake out who's going pro, who's not. I think one final funny thing that happened is Michigan State and Michigan both losing to the same team in two consecutive tournaments is <laughs> the rivalry. And <laughs> I think... There is just a lot of karma being um, served after Michigan State's loss to UCLA and then Michigan living through that. I mean, it's one thing to lose to one final first four team in a year, but to lose to two first four teams mm, in a year. Half of the first four. That's tough to do. Impressive, actually. Especially, is it? Um, is it the first eight now? First four games. So First four games. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So twenty-five percent. Uh, it's a it's a noble accomplishment. Proud of them. I'm glad they could knock that out. First team to do it. Yeah. Um, and then the 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 final side, the 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 death machine rolls on as Gonzaga rolls through Creighton without any type of problem, and um, faced a USC team who took care of Oregon handily. And I think everyone overthought this game. What did you think? Uh, well, I was impressed by USC in general, like before Gonzaga, but 
I'm going to say something that might sound, you know, out there. There's a chance this Gonzaga team is the best college basketball team I've ever seen. I really don't think that that is a huge stretch. To me, they are up there every step of the way with that North Carolina team from however many, whatever year that was, 2009. Uh, That team, this team is, is special, special. I mean, they fit together so well. Their starting five are all incredible. I mean, I tweeted it the other day, but they were already the best team in the country. And then they got Jalen Suggs. So that's the, that's the type of team that we're, we're talking about here. The fit is good. They can all shoot. They can all handle. They run this precise offense. They're locked down on defense. And it's, it's just a beauty to watch them go, man. It, it, is, it is truly something special. And I am really, whatever the spread's going to be, for as much love as we just gave UCLA, whatever the spread is on this game against UCLA, double it, and I'm still going to take Gonzaga. Like, they are an incredible buzzsaw the and honestly kind of the same on the other side i think baylor is going to absolutely run through houston uh houston struggled with some not great teams and to your point hasn't beaten a single digit seed in however many years it's been and they don't exactly play in the most competitive league i think this baylor gonzaga championship game has -hmm. a chance to be a classic i mean these are two teams that are going to be able to go toe to toe um and it wouldn't surprise me either way if either of them win. But it, Gonzaga, like, it's so hard to imagine a team going undefeated and winning a national championship. Mm-hmm. If there was ever a year, I, I think if it doesn't happen this year for them, it'll never, it'll literally never happen again. Can like, I, this is this is the perfect storm. Can I, I would say I agree with you, but then I look at Gonzaga's team next year, and <laughs> and, and it's it's gonna be better, dude. If they land Chet Holmgren, Holmgren uh, oh, yeah. um, they're going to be better. So uh, we can get there, not to get too far ahead of ourselves, but if we would be so lucky to have the two best teams all year play each other, I mean, what more can you ask for as a college basketball fan? I mean, that's what you want. And, um, yeah, I can't think of a team that has, has performed. And, and I'm tired of the – if there's any type of – um, you know, conversation about they play in a whack conference. Like, you know what, though? They beat the hell out of everybody. And also, they beat the two, three, and four seeds in their own region before the tournament yeah. started. So, like, that was before the tournament started. So, I, it's oh, not like they didn't yeah. play anybody. So, no, and yeah, I guess, I guess they're getting uh, some breaks in terms of the, the end of the story is they aren't they haven't faced anybody that looks even remotely up to the task. I mean, if I, I thought that USC might give them, I really thought USC might give them some trouble with the Mobley brothers up front. Like that type of size to me was really the only thing because that could probably do some real damage to their ability to drive. Drew Timmy, I thought might might really struggle with that length. Didn't seem to face them for a second so like when you can overcome that i don't think they're gonna have any trouble with ucla you know the athleticism factor against baylor especially with those those guards we talked about that'll be really interesting because i again i think davion mitchell has a chance to you know he can go toe-to-toe with with any guard in the country so um that that's a big big area of of interest and they've got some really big dudes and gonzaga if there's one thing they lack it's um, physical, a ton of physical side size. Like Anton Watson is a really nice player um, who can come in and spell Drew Timmy, but you don't have that elite multiple athleticism uh, along the front line, and um, that's one thing that Baylor, I think, can kind of kind of throw at them. To be honest with you, so that'll be interesting. But uh, I think now it's really nice, John, that we can just take a deep breath and yeah. know that. Our national nightmare is is over. It feels I gotta admit, like, and I don't like being this. I mean, I am the petty king. I don't like just openly rooting against Michigan. It feels again, it is so petty, and I'm uh, a full grown man, so I probably shouldn't do that. But it is a nice thing every year. Like when they lose, be it in the national championship game, be it in the first round, it's just a nice little way to take a deep breath and know that at least 
that won't happen. Honestly, I think I'm okay with everything short of that for the remainder of my life. Like if they make it all the way, that's fine. Go ahead. Talk your talk. That's great. Now that we've crossed that bridge so many years ago when they made it against Louisville, nothing can hurt me until they, well, not until, but if they ever win at all. Dude, we are, we, we <laughs> perennially crab bucket our conference. And I mean that, I mean, we're a crab in the bucket. And if any crab tries to get out, we pull that crab back in. Like if we're going to die, everyone's going down with us. Oh, absolutely. Oh. I, I told you I'm, I'm anti-conference pride. I've no, never I, understood it. I'm with you, dude. I, I totally get it. Um, so that wraps for hoops. Should we save all our football stuff for next week or what do you think? Yeah, I think let's 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 save it. We're also going to skip. Don't tell SB Nation, but we're going to skip the commercial this week because we wanted to give you guys some of our undivided attention. Uh Um, Next week, we'll talk, you know, obviously a little bit less about basketball. We'll wrap up season and then we'll really start diving into uh, football um, because we want to talk about the draft streak, kind of grade out some position groups. And I think uh, I want to make sure that we we have enough for next week. Yeah. And um, who knows? There might be a another transfer portal um arrival mm. I mean, who knows maybe get ready ah. um and sorry in advance if sb nation uh dropped in the commercial even though we said we wouldn't sometimes i guess yeah happens, so yep well there's only so much we can do <laughs> all, all right, right guys enjoy the final four right it's gonna be a good one yeah i'm definitely gonna enjoy it more than i would have before so it's gonna <laughs> be great too. absolutely um awesome All right, guys. Well, thanks as always for sticking with us. For John, this has been Austin, and we will catch you next week. See ya.